hey, this is a future of what single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what. talking to Larry Crane. So today we're talking about artists' estates, and you and I have worked for years now together on the estate of Elliot Smith. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell us first off how you, because you're the official archivist amongst other many hats that you wear. Too many hats. (laughs) You're the official archivist of the estate of Elliot Smith. How did that come about? I think I kind of started it on my own accidentally when we started Jackpot. When Jackpot Recording Studio began, Elliot was brought in as sort of a non-partner but what was going on was that i knew that studios shouldn't have partners and so we had a little meeting over beers and i said do you want to work out of jackpot that'd be great but i don't want a partner but i'll work out a deal for you and so we started doing stuff and i would see all his reels and and dat tapes laying around i started just kind of backing up a lot of his dat tapes because he was not an organized kind of person (laughs) you know like he wouldn't write notes on things or anything so i would just see things laying around i would just make a copy and make a note (laughs) and put it aside and so years later after he passed away i was supposed to work on from a basement on the hill and then elliot passed away like 10 days before i was going to do to fly down there wow and so i didn't get involved in any of that like rob schnapp and joanna bolme kind of took over the mixing and stuff of that and i was like that's fine you know i didn't feel like it was something you know what i mean right felt like it was something i was supposed to be like handed and then like a few years after that or whenever it was Gary Smith, Elliot's father, approached me and said, would you like to help out on an expanded version of Either Or? And that, as you well know, is what turned into New Moon. Right. Because we found too much stuff. (laughs) Right. And that was quite a long process. I kind of came in at the tail end of of that, those sessions. But I remember there were just hours and hours of listening to archived stuff that we hadn't heard before. And we just, everybody... I remember the one session that I came w- yeah. with that everybody was in tears. Yeah, it was crazy because well, what, what happened was when he asked me to do that, I said, you know, the real question is, are you going to get an archivist? And he's like, oh, and I was like, well, the, you don't know what's on these reels. I don't know what's on these reels. The label doesn't know what's on these reels. What are we going to do with this material? And so Gary asked me if I wanted to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he talked to uh, Elliot's mother, too. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about it, but I said, yeah, because I felt like I could still talk to like, you know, Rob Schnapp and Tom Rothrock, I'm still friends with, and Neil and Tony from Heat Miser and Sam Coombs. Like, I felt like everyone around is still my friend, thank God. Joanna Balme, of course. And I could just ask them questions for help. <laughs> right. I guess yeah. to be clear for the listeners, you know, when Elliot passed away, his estate passed to the direction of his parents like yeah they owned everything but like larry just said we had a ton of material we just had all this stuff that was in reels and yeah dats and and that really nobody knew what it was there was a lot of reels that were in iron mountain storage Mm -hmm. in hollywood and then there were other materials there was a box full of dat tapes that were just at his father's house and there was other random things here and there sean krogan had a reel at home I mean, it just started becoming like, oh, hey, I've got this. Oh, I've got that. Right. And then fans sometimes would even send me stuff, which is, you know, of dubious origin. But, you know, I've archived some of the live shows they've sent, you know, even if they're just MB3s, I'll make a note. Right. But what I started doing is I said yes to to taking that job as an official archivist. 
but I kind of started the job after I did the New Moon record, which right. is kind of confusing. Yeah, very confusing. <laughs> I wish the timeline was different or I had started the archive earlier because along the way, you know, you find more materials mm-hmm. and you go, oh, we could have, uh, you know. And the other thing is that when I started the archive work, I had everything that we could find gathered up and taken to a place called Mr. Toad's in the Bay Area. And Tarden there at Mr. Toad's did all the transfers of the analog tapes, even the digital tapes. Mm-hmm. And stuff because he's an expert has all the different old machines and he gets the highest quality and and the irony is that if we did new moon today i could actually make a better sounding record (laughs) you know not even just the song choices i couldn't it would just physically sound better because the transfers off a tape are better but as you know as someone whose recording is your your life you know i probably in 10 years we could say the same thing again about almost anything and we'll remaster either or five more times (laughs) Hopefully not. Because everything could sound better because the technology keeps it's, changing. The thing about archiving is that the analog tapes are the real gold mine. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that is, is that when the digital technology takes leaps, like the quality of the audio converters now is far better than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And that's one reason we could talk about it later, but that's one reason that why either or was able to be remastered and sound better right. without physically just changing it but just getting a better quality of signal. Right. So with the analog tapes, you can keep extracting a little bit more information, you know, getting a better head stack and a better quality tape deck with more stable motors and capstans and reels and all this stuff. It's, it's so technical. It's kind of geeky. That's what I do. <laughs> but you're able to just pull a little more detail off of the tapes. Right. And, and when Tarden took the same half-inch eight-track tapes that we'd done a lot of the new moon mixes from and was able to pull a little bit better data off of those or, or audio i was like oh so if you if you listen like to the version of angel in the snow that's on up in the air it's a remix wow. of the new moon track and it's slightly clearer and i was had better noise reduction it was a, recorded really quietly to tape so there's a lot of hiss mm. and the quality of the noise reduction i was using too for that one is a little clearer right so you can hear this little you could play the new moon one and that, and they're, they're the same balance, but they're a different mix. I figured, why not just make that one a little? And they wanted to have an intro loop where there was an extended instrumental section on that movie. So, right. So I had to do something like that anyway. And I was like, well, here's a different. And actually, on the introduction, Elliot Smith is that mix too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of sneaky. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I think is important to say is that when an artist passes away, it's like, what we're talking about now, mm-hmm. we who are in charge of this material, like especially when they pass away, like Elliot with lots of stuff mm-hmm. that hasn't been released. And I mean, I'm thinking about prints, you know, we've talked to some people who are working yeah. on those estates or, you know, that estate has been in the news a lot because there is no will, there's no, it's no clear successors. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a really troubled situation. Right. And what do you yeah. do with all that material? And it's someday, eventually someone's going to have to have a say and it's going to be I think it's going to be a big mess forever, but right. <laughs> for years. But in our situation, thank goodness, it was clear cut, you know, obviously. But what's interesting about it is that it involves his family and friends to such a great extent. Like everything we do, you know, we don't just get to do it. You know, it involves yeah. talking to people. Like you said, you're in touch with all right. these. Thank goodness you're still friends with all these people. You can go back and ask them questions like, hey, where was he when he recorded this? Just little details, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just go, oh, aha, you know, you'll you'll put yeah. a clue together. I think that it is nice. I I really like Gary and I like Bunny, Elliot's mother, quite a bit. I always have a good time visiting or chatting with all, all of them. 
but the thing that I always have to tell people is I'm not in charge. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've made lots of suggestions, as you well know, over the years, like this could be this, this could be that. Here's the stuff that's here, because you have to kind of make a bit of a qualitative judgment on this material. If you get mathematical about the archiving process and then go, well, here's 560 different iterations of songs and things that you could put on this next five song release, you know, that that's just an impossible thing to sort out. Right. So over the years, I've kind of like made a lot of note of what are unique songs or unique versions of songs. And so that I have that, you know, kind of go, here's this, here's that, you know, to the label, to you guys and to the family, just so they can sort of pick from that and understand. And it's hard because you're making a little bit of a judgment, but you're also trying not to be a, you have to do, you know, (laughs) you have to do this or, you know, but I've had lots of suggestions like with, with either, or I definitely was very worried. I didn't want to ever see a disc that had extra songs tacked onto the same disc as that album. Cause I think that would be weird. I just know that from aesthetic point of view. Sure. You know, that was something I was, I was, I kept, when we had our phone calls, I was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about that because yeah. Kill Rock Stars on March 10th is going to be releasing this extended edition of Either Or for the 20th anniversary of, of that record. That's yeah. Elliot Smith's most popular record. And, you know, so we started planning this over a year ago. We all started talking about it because we wanted to commemorate the several, 20th anniversary. Several years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> right. So we would have conversations, you and I and his parents, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's taken a really long time to shape it, but I think that's a good way of thinking about it that instead of, you know, it's not you or I got to say this is what we want, you know, his yeah. parents had the final decision, of course, but we did get to say things like, <laughs> you said, I wouldn't want to see a first disc that had stuff tacked on, which mm-hmm. I totally agree with because that's yeah. sort of in the, that's not the spirit of that. So right. let's talk about the extended edition of Either Or. So when we finally whittled it down and we decided we were going to do some studio tracks, but mm-hmm. not a lot, just a yeah, small number. Just a couple. And then we were going to do these five live tracks that yeah. had been really happily multi-track recorded at Yo-Yo Go-Go yeah. in 97. So tell us about how you worked with all that material. Yeah, I mean, initially, it, it's just sort of presenting it. There's an Elliott iTunes session you can open up and hear sometimes just rough mixes of things, you know, so that you know that it exists and say, this is the rough mix of the tracks on real 289-000-041-song4, you know? <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's, it's crazy, you know? So initially, it's like listening to the rough mix is kind of, you know, we had some different orders and versions of bonus disc ideas floating around. Initially, there were two previous iterations that were completely different than what we have, except for a couple of songs. And so what I had to do then was to go, once we decided we were going to use these songs from Yo-Yo Go-Go that, that Pat Maley and his crew had generously given us the original ADAT to back up and archive and everything and rights to, to use these songs, which is fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Very much. I mean, very generous. And other people would, there's people out there that would be asking for, you know, $5,000 or being jerks about it or something. Or, And, you know, in his case, he's just like, I wanted to see this taken care of properly, you know? Yeah. And it's, a lot of people have done that with Elliot's material, thank God. So we had that tape, you know, years ago, he'd send it down to me. And it's the only multi-track live concert thing that I can recall from the era preceding DreamWorks. And the thing about that is like, you know, you can have a decent quality, like, you know, DAT recording, a two track mix of a board tape, but usually the balance is kind of out, you know, like maybe it's, it's being you, it's what you're recording what's off the console, which is used for sound reinforcement. And in this case we had, you know, some mics on the stage, some mics in the room, 
a direct guitar uh, DI and then a vocal mic. And so I could really go in and kind of just clean up those tracks and mix it. Wow. A lot of digital restoration work. I use yeah. this thing called Isotope RX, which is a noise reduction kind of attenuation software. And that allowed me to go in and say, just let's listen to the guitar DI track. Wow. And then what's really funny is Elliot used this special pickup, a really cheap pickup by a company called Lawrence. It's like a 300B or something like that. And it's actually, it fits in the sound hole. Of his, he was playing a Yamaha acoustic guitar. It fits in the sound hole and it acts more like an electric guitar pickup, like with the magnets and coils hmm. as opposed to like a piezo. Like typical guitars will plug in and have those piezo pickups built into the bridge. And they have kind of a twangy, weird tone. You'll hear that in a lot of live recordings. And this electric guitar style pickup has more of an even tone and sounds actually a little electric, but more like an acoustic guitar. Wow. So by using that track, I was able to clean it up. I was able to, in the isotope, balance out some notes if they were just notes that boomed out a little bit because they were the strings were closer to the pickup or anything. Mm -hmm. Even all that out, I was able to clean up the vocal. I was able to amplify words that were sung off mic a little bit by increasing their fundamentals in the bottom end and all these little details and cleaning up clicks and pops and you know, if he unplugged the guitar or if some little weird sound was just happening, right? I could clean all those things up and then mix it aesthetically, you know, to get a nice balance of some room sound. And, and I kept in all as much of the talking. Yeah. There were, there were spots that were just dead silent for a while. So those are out, but (laughs) I kept in anything of interest because I feel like he's Elliot's not with us anymore. It's nice to hear him. He was a funny guy. And, and he, he, he was always kind of self-effacing on stage and, and humble. And then he would spin out like an amazing guitar figure or something. So to hear that, you know, yeah, shouting out to his sister, yeah, Ashley. Yeah, I love that. That's so sweet. Is Ashley here? You know, you're yeah. like, oh, man. You know, it's cool. And, it, yeah. and then he's, and he's like laughing when people are like, play the song about the girl because they want to hear Say Yes. Oh, you yeah. Know? And there's things like that in there. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. There's, there's some hilarious stuff. Yeah. Uh, from that recording. Actually, that ended up on the Heaven Adores You soundtrack, that oh, version. Oh, yeah. So mixing that was was a real treat. And then the I Figured You Out demo that he did that Mary Lou Lord covered later. And that was on, oh, my God, it was on DA88 tapes. Tascam had this eight-track digital format. And the Heat Miser guys, when they signed to Virgin Records, they took all the advance money and rented a house for like six months or a year, I'm not quite sure. And they bought some D88s and they bought a mixing board and all this stuff and they started recording their own record, which became Mike City Sons. And so all the guys had a key and Elliot would go in and record his own demos and things. And I think that like Cupid's Trick and maybe Punch and Judy, some other songs kind of started there or, or had, had some evolution in that space. And he went in and did the demo. He recorded the song that's on Martian Saints, the EP. He recorded that version there, but before that, he and Neil Gust from Heatmiser went in and recorded this demo version of I Figured You Out. And so that, when I was, was working on New Moon, Joanna Balmay kept saying, there's a version of I Figured You Out, there's a, and it wasn't on any of those reels because it was on these digital tapes. Oh, wow. And those digital tapes had been sitting in jackpot for you know like a decade or yeah. something. And finally, when Elliot built New Moon, I sent them down there like Sam Coombs came by with a van and took a bunch of stuff down to New Moon, uh, not New Moon, New Monkey. New Monkey. Studios, right. yeah. So when he built New Monkey, they took all the tapes down there, and then eventually the tapes showed back up, and I was like, oh, I better digitize these, <laughs> thinking it's all just Heat Miser. Oh, wow. And there was all this other music. Oh, my God. 
So the job of art, an archivist is like <laughs> kind of like a detective. I mean, it's really kind it's, of... It is. It's every time you make an assumption, you're going to find out you're wrong <laughs> later on. If you're going to say, those are all Heat Miser songs, right. they'll find something else in there. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. I see you watching her every time she crosses the floor. So why don't you just go talk to the one you really don't? I'm getting pretty used to being the one that you always ignore. But somebody wants you. I see it before. was I Figured You Out by Elliot Smith.